Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, new episode to try to give you guys some more context into certain things that are not normally taught within scripture. Um, so, uh, in this manner, we're going to look for some specific articles that most people have never probably heard of. Um, not just probably never heard of, but there are certain teachings that have not been expressed to the general public because most people go by biblical narrative as, well, scripture, of course, and uh, beyond scripture, um, certain denominations go by doctrines that have been set forth by certain people. Um, one aspect of that is Calvinism, or being a Calvinist. Uh, there's um, Armenianism, Lutheranism, Catholicism. Um, all of these are different like branches of said Christianity. The difference is, is Catholicism and Orthodox and uh, Coptic have a very similar trend in hierarchy compared to a normal um, Protestant-type church. Now, there is a hierarchy in most churches because hierarchy is a foundation that has been stated in, um, I believe it was Corinthians or it was Timothy. I believe it was Corinthians. But they explain, Paul explains, um, from uh, all manner of, uh, you know, truth and everything, of what um, God has ordained to be correct and what has the church needs to go. Now, a lot of people go into this aspect and they talk about uh, Juna or um, Lydia or Deborah from the Old Testament as women that have reverence. And... It is true, they were very acknowledged people. For example, um, Juna or Junia, whatever, um, her um, scripture is that she was recognized among the apostles, which means that she was recognized to be in their company. It doesn't mean she was an apostle, there was only 12. So, that is the case with her. You cannot twist scripture and say it means what you want it to say. Scripture is very cut and dry. And this is where a lot of people want to mix things up. Um, and this all goes based upon doctrines that have explained what the Bible teaches, but they hold on to these doctrines as irrelevant facts. And these factual quote-unquote doctrines are not always right for example the catechisms in the uh, Catholicism um, the Catholicism or Catholic catechisms take very similar approaches between um, Plato and Socrates they actually mention um, the Socrates method uh, within the seminaries 
they continue to go forward and uh, reference the catechisms of which Augustine and St. Thomas uh, had conflicting beliefs in this. And this is because Augustine would adopt anything that he felt was based with scripture. And these things that have been established, uh, even forward more to where Constantine uh, ordained um, December 25th as the uh, birthday of Jesus Christ, it was never in December 25th because that doesn't match up with the timeline of Israel. When you read in um, the Bible, you read the passages of where the shepherds were laying out in the field, which would be more toward like August and fall around that time period where they would be able to sit out. Um, it's been said that typically um, during spring, it can actually get pretty rainy at times. So if it gets rainy during the spring, they wouldn't be out as much. So this is where a lot of this stuff comes into play. So we look into today um, as Jesus and early Christian writings. Now this is... Um, when Christianity thrived within Palestine during the first century AD, okay, um, it was increasingly embraced by non-Jewish people, or Gentiles, as it's been stated. This has been recognized through the gospel, um, mainly so pushed forward in the teachings of Paul. Um, on top of that, the spread of Christianity grew so fast that it has been one of the fastest growing religions on the face of the planet. On top of it being grown, we look at three major religions, and I am going to include Catholicism in Christianity, just for argumentable purposes, but we have um, Christian, including Catholicism in that, even though I don't consider Catholicism a part of Christianity because they usually differentiate themselves. However, we'll put them in there because they say they worship Christ. So, we have Christianity, we have Islam, and then we have uh, Hinduism. So, Hinduism uh, is very similarly to a monotheistic belief system. Hinduism is actually the oldest known religion known to man. There's not one religion that has a specific doctrine or anything that has predated what um, Hinduism has, which was found within the Indus Valley, um, which has been corresponded to uh, different effects on how I could uh, personally attribute to the attribute to um, the Akkadians and Babylonians and Sumerian empires which uh, have also expressed their growth into the Indus Valley. Now the difference between it is that their gods which is Brahman being the all-powerful universal aspect but he has the ability to manifests himself in different ways such as um, Vishnu um, 
uh, Shiva and a few other uh, gods that they uh, that they occur. <coughs> These gods slash goddesses and stuff like that um, are said to be manifestations of their god Brahman uh, to come deliver a message, if you will. Um, I'm not fully versed in Hinduism. I do know a bit about it, but I am still learning in the, the construct of their faith. It's very fascinating, and they do consider themselves to be monotheistic. Um, Zoroastrianism is another one that is monotheistic. Uh, then we have um, uh, Judaism. Uh, Islam and uh, Christianity, all considered to be monotheistic, even though people uh, such as the some Jews and the majority of uh, Muslims consider the Christians to worship them in a polytheistic way, for example. Um, most likely because... Uh, Muslims don't exactly understand what the Trinity means. It's typically the 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 1 argument, which doesn't exactly apply because it's not 1 adding to another to adding to another. It's 3 indivisible in 1, you know? So... As we go through this, we're going to learn a little bit about first century Christians and um, how they found throughout the Mediterranean world. Um, so dozens of writings from this time uh, provided uh, really early, early um, testimonies of the life of Christ. Um, there's 27 books in the New Testament, um, the Synoptic Gospel being the most powerful being Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then from there going forward, you have the book of Acts, and then you have forward going um, the books of the Gentiles, or essentially the, the books of Paul. Um, there's no evidence in any ancient writings that Jesus was married. But um, another book known as the Da Vinci Code, states that he was married to Mary Magdalene. Now, this is a very big controversy here, because Jesus never married, so what they did is they took a spin off the Bible and did a what-if scenario in the book. When you read the book, it's going to line up with a lot of Christian themes, and when you read it, it's going to cause confusion. This is why we do not add books to the Bible to read. We read the Bible itself, and we let the Spirit guide us into what is right and what is wrong. Um, the book for the Da Vinci Code actually alleges that groups inside the, Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church have masterminded a colossal cover-up to hide the fact that Jesus was married and bore a child. Um, now, this book has been able to manifest and recreate people that disbelieve in the Bible, that say that it is a corrupt book, and on top of that, they will go by a fantasy fiction, um, mystery thriller book, uh, to decipher what the Bible teaches when there's nothing in the Bible that full, that 
really backs up what the Da Vinci Code said. And this is a big um, construct that a lot of people will read other sources aside from the Bible, which interferes with what Scripture says. So why is this such an important um, thing to understand? Because if people are reading certain books outside of the Bible, if they take those books as fact, as gospel, as that's the truth, then they're not reading from the actual book that has been written about Jesus and his feats and everything he has done and accomplished and sacrificed. That is one of the biggest things that we have to understand, which is why I always urge everybody to listen that listens to me to read their own Bible. If you don't have a Bible, let me know. I can send you a copy of the New Testament. Um, there's various Bibles I can um, look into to try to get people. All you have to do is email me, ministermartyr at gmail.com. Um, I will get back to you, and once we uh, have a quick conversation about address and stuff, I will find a way to send you a Bible. Um, so, a lot of cases in this is that the Romans were never, ever interested in Jewish affairs. Um, in fact, the Roman historian, uh, Tactic, Tactius um, wrote about in around uh, 115 AD. He described Nero's attempt to deflect blame for the great fire in Rome to incriminate the Christians. So essentially there's a big fire in Rome and that big fire they said oh it was the Christians. So that led to a huge persecution. Um, if you actually reference Revelation I'm not saying Revelation uh, talks about this time. I'm saying that it is a very good parallel to what happened at that time. Um, so they were falsely uh, accused, inflicted um, intense tortures, and <clears throat> they were notorious for the kind of abominations and stuff that they were... Um, treated against they were executed um, as a criminal and um, <clears throat> they were executed by uh, the precurator uh, which was Pontius Pilate during the reign of Tiberius so when you look at that and you look at the history you're going to understand where Romans uh kind of felt in that area so the question is is outside of the evidence of the new testament what can we know confidence about jesus um you know is there any evil that's in the bible is there anything that we need to worry about you know so we look at these things and there is this um there is this one uh passage called the didache or the Dace. Um, it's from the first epistle of Clement and the epistle of uh, Barnabas and also in the, the Gospel of Thomas. The Gospel of Thomas is actually referenced as a Gnostic Gospel, which is why it was never included into the Bible itself. Um, 
in this case, we looked at the insights of Christ and we uh, collaborate the traditions and how everything was found. Um, in addition to many non-canonical gospels that I have read and uh, are to date between the second and third centuries supply narrative that cannot be found in New Testament um, gospels. So a lot of these newer uh, books that have come out between the second and third century, anything that was Gnostic or uh, beyond Gnostic, they have never been dated correctly within the New Testament gospels. And most scholars of that time felt the works raise questions about their trustworthiness. So, was Jesus in any ancient Roman or pagan writings? And there's very few non-Christian sources that offer testimony. Um, however, there were Christians who were arrested and used for information to provide a vast multitude of conv uh, convictions. Um, even beyond that, they were being, you know, attacked and persecuted for burning the city, and uh, they were also looked at as to be hated as, as uh, part of the human race. So, when we look at this, we understand that there's different views um, upon this, and when we look at it, we understand that Tactus... Um, or Tactius, uh, his views of the early Christians was with a great deal of contempt. He left aside um, numerous accounts and several key elements that were central to Christian traditions. First, Tactus confirmed the dating of the gospel. Um, he described Christ as having lived during the reign of the Emperor Tiberius. And specifically, during the rule of the uh, um, procurator, Pontius Pilate II, Tactus also writes that Jesus was executed by the Roman authorities. Tactus confirms that there was um, events that took place in Judea, far from the capital city, that... Um, by the time of Nero, around um, 54 to 68 AD, Christianity has already spread into Rome and the Western Empire. Um, as Christianity kept growing to that extent, um, we look at a more important thing is... Jesus is never mentioned in, uh, in the passage. He is referred to as um, Christus, or Christus, with the explanation of the followers adopted um, his name for themselves by referring to him as um, Christi, or uh, the Christ, or similar to that. Basically, the equivalent of the Hebrew term of the Messiah, the Savior. So, Tactus makes it clear that Jesus' early followers believed that he was the Jewish Messiah. He got a letter from um, Mara um, to his son, 
According to most scholars, this letter was held in a British museum written by a pagan and sometime, uh, sometime after the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. In there, the author describes the execution of three wise men, um, Socrates, uh, Plagoriaths, and uh, the Jewish wise king, and the negative consequences that followed the three deaths. What benefit did the Jews gain by executing their wise king shortly after their kingdom was abolished? Jesus justly avenged these three wise men. Um, Mara eventually claimed that the Jewish uh, wise king lived on because of the new law that he had given his followers. Although Mara's letter never mentions Jesus in the term of Christ, it is clear that the reference is to Jesus, calling Jesus a king rather than Chan Christ or um, the Messiah. Um, it is a reflection of the Roman point of view. According to Romans, Jesus was executed as a political troublemaker than um, a religious you know, leader. So, to claim that the, the king lived on in the new law is kind of the same statement that one would expect from Rome at that time. Um, as we continue to go forward, we look in the early Jewish writings. The first century Jewish historian Josephus lived through the destruction of the temple in uh, 70 AD, where he refers to Jesus twice in inequities um, of the Jews. The controversial paragraph reads, At this time there lived Jesus, a wise man, if indeed he could have to be called a man, for he performed amazing deeds and was a teacher of men who received um, the truth with pleasure, and he persuaded many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles. This was this one was the Christ and he was accused by the principle of men uh, among us. Pilate condemned him to a cross. Those who first loved him did not cease to go. And uh, he appeared to them again on the third day. The divine prophets foretold these things concerning him and a thousand other marvelous deeds. Still to the present day, the tribe of Christians named after him have not disappeared. It is widely believed that the passage has been supplemented by the later Christian writers added to Josephus's account, while most scholars um, well, most scholars pretty much try to deny that. Um, from there, there's uh, References in Jesus and Josephus' writings mentions James, the brother of Jesus and so-called um, Messiah. Even though the earlier passage, Josephus makes it clear in that piece that Jesus followed uh, followers believed he was the Messiah. Believed references to Jesus to be found in the Talmud, which is the first. Well, the first is on the Passover Eve, they hanged Yeshua, Jesus for 40 days and advanced a herald went out proclaiming he is going to be stoned because he has practiced magic and 
led Israel astray. If anyone has anything to say in his defense, let him come and speak for him. But if they found nothing in his favor, they have hanged him on Passover Eve. Um, this is part of the Babylonian Talmud uh, from the Sanhedrin and 43, uh, passage 43a, which is the second reference of Jesus in um, uh, the rabbinic uh, literature. So, <clears throat> a big thing with the Babylonian Talmud is the Babylonian Talmud in, from the Sanhedrin um, they actually go out and speak bad about Jesus to try to elude people away from him. Again, this is the Babylonian Talmud, which the Babylonians were actually uh, foresaw enemies of the Jewish people in the Older Testaments. Um, it even further went that the Babylonian Talmud was actually included in parts of the Septuagint, I believe, and in which case the Septuagint was actually adopted by the Catholic Church. Um, so, um, as we continue, we're going to go into a couple other writings to explain Babylonian Talmud and certain um, archaeological evidences. Um, so we're going to start that right now. So, as we go into this a little further, we're going to look in and um, they actually reference in certain phrases, he was the Christ and he appeared to them again alive on the third day and they believed, um, have believed added, even without the passages, Josephus' testimony gave additional information that confirms that the earliest church, uh, the earliest Christian literature a second less dispute and much shorter um, so this was a reference again within uh, Josephus's writings um, So as we go into this for some archaeological data, there's um, there's been actually an artifact belonging um, to anyone from about 2,000 years ago. Um, the cross nails um, from Jesus's crucifixion, um, although they're considered little value to scholars, considering nobody knows if these are actual. Jesus's or not it explains and uh, brings about even a more solid um, construct of they've actually found something that uh, looks like the nails that would have been used and they were dated about 2,000 years ago however many scholars do not want to use this as evidence as archaeological evidence um, the relics of these scholars, um, they basically looked at them and they don't know because it's really no way to know because Jesus doesn't have a corpse, so we can't run any blood tests or anything on that. We can probably find like a blood on the, um, the nails if they, if these are actually his nails, 
um, but we would have nothing to exactly pair it with. Now, I'm not an expert in blood science or anything like that, so that is something that would have to be um, distributed to that point. First century inscriptions uh, was bearing his name on a, capti a captured media attention. The archaeologists are not convinced. However, despite the archaeological um, indeed assist scholars in the search of Jesus, um, such as the, the burial box of uh, Caiaphas, the high priest during the uh, Jesus trial, the inscription um, mentioning Pontius Pilate and numerous coins stamped with the names of the emperors and governors. Background details of the gospel. The gospel has been numerously detailed through four different accounts of the synoptic gospel. When you read that, you're going to see a lot of differences but they're from eyewitness accounts, which means you have to read very carefully to understand where everything is going, understand the context, understand where God is trying to tell you his message. Other discoveries of background details of the gospel may have been found in tombs around Israel. Um, they confirm descriptions of Jesus' tomb provided by the gospels. They crucified the mains of the first century Jewish to testify in the Roman practice of executions. Um, the first century Galilean cities have been excavated. Capernaum, uh, uh, Chorzison, um, uh, and uh, Bethesda are three of the mentioned in the Gospels and discoveries in those cities correspond with many details of the Gospel. The names of the archaeological excavations would actually even prove more so of the truth of the Bible. Um, for instance, archaeological evidence you know, kind of indicates that there was no Roman troops permanently stationed in Galilee, although they were to imply that they were in Matthew uh, 8, 15 to 13. But archaeological evidence does not survive for, doesn't always survive for 2,000 years. So absence of that evidence doesn't mean that it n never happened. It could have been something as simple as the Romans went over to Galilee to kind of set something up. And then they left and put certain people in charge that would essentially work for those Roman people. And the Romans would eventually come back and forth to Galilee to collect, kind of like the Mafia. Um, finding Jesus is the consensus of scholarship and testimony. Archaeology uh, is a it's like a bulk of information and truth that we can see, not just through the New Testament, but with the Old Testament as well. And that's the beauty of this. However, um, the broad agreement among scholars and issues is the Galilean ministry of Jesus. Um, a lot of his teachings conflict with the Jewish leaders in his crucifixion in uh, Jerusalem. There's a disagreement over Jesus' miracles and his authenticity of his teachings. Uh, history 
archaeology cannot recover everything at the past, which is why we have to also base this on faith. <clears throat> the, um, the places and descriptions of the city's inhabitants um, that reference the occupations, customs, buildings, boats, typography, um, anything that was confirmed within uh, archaeological evidence and uh, findings they have all been um, shared with um, the Huntington University of Indiana and it's also been included in the New Testament and the archaeology of um, ancient uh, Anatolia. Anatolia. Um, <clears throat> so what does all this mean to, to anybody? Uh, why is this even important? Um, there, there's a massive case for this. And the, the truth about all of this is not so much... Um, it's not so much that people are needing to see to believe it's that they're lacking faith because they just can't grasp it a lot of people a lot of christians today they don't want to read the bible so these early writings of jesus but after the um the new testament was written um these Gnostic scriptures, even if you go forward 600 years and go into the, the Quran, they have scriptures that, although they inherently believe very similar things to Jesus, that he is the Messiah, they don't attribute him to God or the Son of God. They attribute him to a prophet. Um, and then... Um, Muhammad being the uh, the final prophet in that in that manner for the the Muslims. When we look through numerous different religions and numerous different faiths, what we have to understand is that there's many many cases of how all these ancient religions, anywhere from the Sumerians, the Babylonians, the Akkadians, uh, the Egyptians. Um, Syrians, you know, all these different people that were around the Jewish people, even the Canaanites. A lot of people reference Yahweh to be the same God as the Canaanites, but if that was the case, Yahweh literally ordained the genocide or the divine um, capital punishment for that group of people because when you have a disease... When you have something wrong with you, you need to eliminate it. Um, although I'm not an advocate for saying, hey, let's just kill everybody, um, I understand what God was trying to do because when you have people that are sacrificing other people, ritual sacrifices, killing children, committing sins, doing all the stuff that God ordained not to do, then that is showing us that that religion was not the true Christian God or the true Jewish God. What happens is 
throughout the Bible, the Bible explains everything that's going to happen in the future. The entire Old Testament literally alludes to Jesus. They explain it word for word. Now, a lot of the Jewish community, and as much as I love them, I love Israel, and I love these people, same with Muslims, I love Muslims too, but what what bugs me about it is the Jewish people wanted their Messiah, and only a handful of them would actually look at the Messiah as the Messiah. They only referenced Yeshua or Jesus as their Messiah through a certain group of people. And he did everything that he needed to do. So when we back up in everything and we wonder why, how, how do we know Jesus is real? How do we know all this stuff is to, to go into place? Well... There's numerous cases, many people will argue, other people will call you ignorant, other people will criticize you, call you dumb. It's just human nature, that's how they are. I'm not saying it's right, I'm just saying that's what you need to expect. But, here it is. If you need to ever explain Jesus, it's not going to be as simple as saying well do we live in bc or ad and uh if it was bc then does that mean that means uh jesus had a big impact um yeah jesus did have a big impact but that's actually not the case that goes back into the julian gregorian hebrew calendars and stuff that's a long conversation to get into i'm not even gonna bother but when it comes down to it biggest thing that you have to understand is if somebody asks you how do you know Jesus is real how do you know that this guy actually existed well aside from the Bible having numerous historical events that have actually occurred in real life in actuality um, the the major case of all this is that why would 12 people leave their families why would one of them commit suicide after selling them out how come it's already been within what i've already explained in numerous early Christian uh, stuff known as the Didache and some others. Um, I could be pronouncing Didache wrong, but when we reference all of these writings, all of the teachings that people have given us, the gospel is all we need to understand God's word. It's it. It's it. Anybody that goes outside it, I'm sorry, you're wrong. Do not look at John Calvin. Do not look at something from Luther, uh, some Martin Luther guy. Do not look at anything of this stuff. If these are the doctrines that explain the Bible for you, that's great. But don't take it as gospel. Read the actual Bible. Because you're going to notice things that you might disagree with. Because there's a lot of things 
I kind of disagree with with Calvinism. Although I'm not saying Calvinism is fully wrong, I'm not saying it's fully right either. <clears throat> and it's the same thing with Catholicism. Catholicism, I believe, has, you know, some things that are right, but 99.9% .9 of it is wrong, you know? The way that their traditions are, the way that they explain um, things, the way that they function, they use intercessions, and that is one of the biggest things, is the intercessor of the Bible is Jesus Christ, and it states that throughout the entire Old Test, uh, the entire New Testament. So, anybody who claims to be an intercessor, anybody who claims to be that kind of advocate for God, is literally trying to take the role of Jesus. Sorry, that's how it is. So, with that said, I pray each and every one of you will read your Bible that will take God's word to heart, to love him, to care for him, to worship him, to have a relationship with him. One day, we don't know when that day is. We don't know when it'll come or when it'll uh, occur, whether it's going to be the end of the world or quote-unquote what we believe is the end of the world. Um, but whether it's going to be the reign of Christ, the end of the world, whether it's going to be the second coming, whatever you want to call it, the apocalypse or, you know, revelation, whatever. When we look at this, we have to understand that we need to abide by his words. And I'm not perfect. I have failed many times. And I've always prayed and begged for forgiveness because God is the only one that can forgive me for my sins. Not Mary, not anybody else. There's nothing in the Bible that says that we pray to these people. I respect every single one of them. My name is Martyr for a reason. I respect these martyrs. I respect the apostles. I respect the disciples. I respect the prophets. I respect every single one of these people in the Bible. But none of them claim to be worshipped. So, that is where we go by Scripture. Scripture is the final authority. Anything outside of scripture, any kind of doctrines or any extra books that you guys want to buy to understand the Bible more because it's hard to understand for some people, that's fine. But parallel what they're saying in the Bible to see if it's true. Joel Olstein likes to preach a prosperity gospel. I'm going to tell you right now, it's not biblical. So... What I do is I try to encourage people to read the Bible on their own. I give you guys the best lessons I can. I've studied history. I've studied the early church history. I've studied the ancient religions, pagan religions. My degrees are literally in psychology, and I have a minor in um, world religions and comparative religions, um, and an art degree. But that's besides it. Um, I'm ordained, 
none of the stuff that I just said, all these degrees and all these certificates or ordinations, none of it matters to my knowledge if you guys won't research it yourself. To the people that listen to people that claim to be godly, you need to test their spirits to see if they are of God. You can test my spirit. I know what I'm doing is I'm trying to honor God the best way I can. Am I always right? No. I'm not always right. For all I know, Calvinism could be the, the, the greatest thing to come close to the Bible in terms of doctrine. But from me interpreting the Bible, from me reading it, and from my personal belief of the Spirit guiding me, there's a lot of things that I've read about it that I don't agree it's not that I discredit it, I just don't fully agree with it. There's a lot of things I do agree with. So, pull out your Bible, read. If you need to message me, you can message me at Twitter and Minister Martyr. Um, you can email me, ministermartyr at gmail.com. You can read my blog, uh, ministermartyr.wordpress.com. Um, Thank you for everybody who's listening. Um, I have noticed a little bit of a spike coming in through uh, people listening, and I do appreciate it. <clears throat> but please, for the love of God, for what his son has sacrificed, please learn his word. Know what God has been saying. Because so many people believe that hey I'm saved by grace because I believe that's great you are saved by grace you are saved by the grace of God that is true but do you really believe in something because you never read it I will sit down and I will talk to people that are Christians and they will not know three phrases from the Bible they know Adam and Eve, Noah's Ark, Moses, and Jesus. If you know those four things and you do not understand any of the scriptures that uh, formulated from that, then you're not knowing the word of God. You're not understanding the sacrifices that the prophets gave. You're not understanding the sacrifice that Jesus gave. You're not understanding all the work that God did to choose these people, to form them so they can give us a message. Once we understand what God's word is, then we can live it. We can change ourselves. It's not by doing works. It's by becoming a ripe fruit. You don't want to be a rotten fruit. You want to do the fruits of God, the, the labors of God that are, fruit, um, are fruitful. And I don't mean that in, like, a gay way. I mean, it's it, it's referenced in Paul. But the fruits of our labor to do for God is to make him happy. Do I eat pork? I slip a lot, and I do eat it. I won't lie. I have eaten pork today, <laughs> actually. Um, 
But do I eat it regularly? No, no. I literally try not to. It's just in my household, it's something that is bought a lot. And unfortunately, with the times and the money and everything that's going on, I'm forced to do that. Aside from that, you need to read your Bible. So again, you can email me, DM me, whatever you need to do. I will try to do what I can to help you guys get a Bible. If you guys are within the United States, I can get you a New Testament Bible that will um, just basically have the New Testament in it. Um, it's a good way to start so you can understand the references of Jesus. And if you do start enjoying it and you want to know more about the past that led up to that, then I would recommend just getting a real Bible. Um, a lot of churches give Bibles out for free. So, please, you know, don't feel shy. Don't be ashamed. Go out and try to experience something that God has given us. With that, I wish you guys a great weekend. Have a good night.